Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size podcast. It's a little bit of a different couple of weeks coming up now. So uh, Nima, who usually hosts it, is uh, sunning it up in Lebanon. Uh, very jealous. So I'm playing host and joined with me today is Hassan at H-A-F-T-B-L on Twitter. Hassan, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining. Thank you for having me, Clayton. How are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Um, I've calmed down from what was yeah. a very disappointing result on Saturday. Uh, I was very emotional. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I've rational- I'd like to think I've rationalised my thoughts and everything now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, delighted to have you on the show. I think yeah. I did tweet it and I wasn't just saying it uh, for the sake of Twitter. Like I genuinely love reading your takes on the timeline. I know we've followed each other and interacted a few times yeah. before. And yeah. I think our regular listeners will know like my tactical brain is I'm obsessed with the tactical side of Twitter and like I love reading all the threads and stuff and I think some of your opinions and yeah like you've helped me see the game in a different light through reading thanks some of your stuff that really so, means from yeah so thanks a lot for joining so um I guess before obviously for people that are new here what we tend to do is uh we review the game so we kind of look at it from a statistical lens because that does help to kind of well it's facts right and I think myself included I always have like a narrative in my head subjective opinions but then it's always good to clarify with stats and kind of see how that aligns uh, so we review the game from that perspective discuss like the lineups all of that good stuff mm-hmm. but I want to get to know you a bit more first so talk to me how why the Arsenal how long how long have you been a, a fan do you get to go much um, yeah, I've been an Arsenal fan for over 20 years. When I was growing up, I used to see Match of the Day with Thierry Henry, Robert Perez, Saul Campbell, Patrick Vieira. I also used to like Liverpool because of the, the Anfield crowd and Michael Owen, Steven Gerrard making lots of tackles. But because Liverpool was quite far from here, it's over four hours, I realised that over the last year because my cousin got married at Liverpool. So that's the day we beat Villa 4-2, funnily enough. So I thought to myself, going to Liverpool would be really, really costly, really expensive. It's far. So the closest team that I've, I like the most is Arsenal. And Arsenal's literally 40 minutes away from me. And nice. we just we just have a certain like style, certain class. The culture just, club, innit? Yeah, we're just the culture club. So I thought, yeah, this club suits me well. And then ever since then, I've been addicted, really. So, yeah, nice. this club's given me a lot of joy, but also a lot of pain. Especially <laughs> the last 15 years or so. It's been a lot of pain, but... I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest. Nah, no, I think we're out of that pain cycle. And it, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm... It's starting to look quite serious now, so... Yeah, I'm extremely confident in the in this project in the next few yeah. years. And like I, I was one of those kind of early Arteta-loving guys where even that period where we weren't doing well, I was so... I could see what he was trying to do. And yeah. I, I'm so bullish on where we're headed. And I'd love to get your kind of takes on that later on. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, have you been to any of the games so far this season? Or um, I went to the Community Shield because nice. one uh, one a guy I'm in the GC with, Dan George, I think you may know him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he basically said, I have a spare ticket. Would you like to go? I thought to myself, how much does it cost? He said, it's going to cost you £25. So I thought, okay, nice. £25. Wembley's literally 15, 20 minutes away from me on the bus, so it's not a problem. So I went there and it was probably one of the best days of my life because I got to see Amazing. my team live trophy in Wembley. And we beat nice them Ah, oh, amazing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on a lucky streak at Wembley. I've been fortunate to be there for all three FA Cup finals. Oh, uh, the the whole one, the Villa one, um, yeah, and all the semis. So I've not seen us lose at New Wembley yet. So, uh, yeah, touch wood. But... <laughs> um, exactly, yeah. But no, nice one. Yeah, thanks for that. So, well, well, should we get into the game? So, yeah. 
what we'll do, we'll just touch on the lineup first. So this was the lineup. So for podcast listeners, obviously it was Ramsdale in goal, Party, White, Saliba, Kivior, Odegaard, Rice, Havertz, Saka, Trossard, Martinelli. So I'll just put that on the screen for now. When the team came up, what what was your kind of initial reaction? Um, it was what I expected, really, because yeah. we actually play Party right back to compensate the really unfortunate injury that happened to Yuri and Timber. So we had to put Party as right back, so he inverts from the right. So essentially, as you know, we played Zinchenko left back, but he inverts to the left. And we have a yeah. box midfield. We have a four, three, four versus three every time. But because of Zinchenko coming back from injury and Timber's unfortunate ACL, we've had to play Party as a right back. So he inverts to the right and Rice's our left-sided uh, pivot, which he's quite used to because he's played that sort of position at West Ham. Yep. So well, that's what we tried to do. So I thought, OK, this is what we've been doing for a while and it kind of works. But there's some negatives I want to speak about, but we'll discuss it later on, I'm guessing. Yeah, sure. and on that, it's interesting because... I'm glad you brought it up about the party at right back thing and essentially flipping the inversion, right? Yeah. In my head, that's nothing new. Like we actually did in my from memory, we did it in two games towards the back end of last season, and yeah, we did it against um, Nottingham Forest and we did it against Wolves. That was it. It was Wolves as well, and um, yeah, the general narrative is like it's a new alien thing that we've done, and I'm I'm kind of if I'm being completely honest, I haven't loved the system that we've kind of tweaked and I'm not talking about the party inversion and stuff just, but I think I, as like I said at the start, I think I've rationalized it now and I get it's effective in creating chances and we're going towards total control, which we didn't have last season. Right. And in stats coming up later, you'll see like our field tilt, we're playing up higher, we're suffocating teams and it's been effective in like, we've created enough chances where we should have won all of the games. Right. Yeah. I think I've clocked why I'm not a fan of it. And it's just, a fluidity thing and personnel in certain areas of the pitch so yeah. from my perspective it's a it's an aesthetics thing which i think i just need to grow up to be honest like last year was <laughs> last last year was vibes right and um yeah, yeah, yeah like we weren't really seriously thinking about the title until like i'd say christmas maybe yeah um, we're just happy to get into top four that was our, everyone's thinking that was the objective in the summer right mm-hmm yeah, so I think it's part of my maturity as a fan in needing to like change my thinking in terms of expectations as well. Um, but yeah, d- the general system so far, like I feel that's the I know you should never just judge narratives from Twitter, but if I'm going on that kind of social media mm. platform, I feel like the system is dividing opinion. Where where are you at on that? Um, I am, as you said, um, you said you understand why we do it. But the one thing that's really starting to irritate me is how isolated our wingers are. Yeah. Because you see Martinelli, he's really hugging the touchline. Saka's really hugging the touchline. He lost his overlap in Ben White because Ben White at right back used to overlap at will and he'd, and they'd have a three-on-two triangle with Odegaard that was so fluid last season. Because of party inverting, it's not his fault by any means. It's just yeah. the way he plays football and his profile. He has to basically tuck in into midfield and then... White sometimes has to overlap from centre-back, and that's why we conceded the first goal. Saka yeah. is basically 3v1, because the opposition defensive midfielder, the opposition fullback, and the opposition winger are all circling in on him. And unless he, unless he's Lionel Messi, he has to basically draw past three players. I know Saka is good, but he's not that good. Come on, let's be yeah. In It's not really an optimal situation. But what I wanted us to do is... Uh, we're going to speak about him, Kai Havertz. A lot of people were not really happy with his performance, myself included. What we could have done 
it's not optimal as well because Havertz is a runner. He likes attracting players away from him. It could free up Saka. It could free up Saka to do more damage. So maybe we put Havertz on the right and we put Odegaard in the left on the left central midfield. So he's more of a passer. He can get Martinelli involved and get him in behind, running in behind them. But that's another discussion for another day. But that's why I think that it's not working because we're putting the wrong profiles next to our wingers and it's that, not giving them the best chance of succeeding. And that's exactly where I'm at. And yeah, that's why I say it's a personnel selection thing for me at the minute. Even... Well, what, what's your t- thoughts on the Gabriel situation? Uh, how do you feel about um, that? I think he's just suffering from the byproduct of us inverting party from the right. Yeah. Because um, because we're inverting from the right, I think Arteta wants more of a natural left back to uh, to give to support Martinelli. But we did play Gabriel once left back against um, what's that team? Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. We, we, played, we played him left back a, a little bit. Kiwiel did start the game, but Gabriel did play left back towards like towards the, the end of the game, the second half he played left back. And I don't think Alteta liked what he saw. Maybe that's yeah. just what I'm thinking. So maybe because we're inverting party from the right, he wants more of a left back like Kiwiel or he wants Tomiyasu because they've played left back before and they've done well to varying degrees because Tomiyasu was our best defender against Liverpool last year. He completely yeah. marked out of the game and he got him substituted when it was 2-2. He did, yeah. And then Kiwio, he's played left back before. Towards the end of against Nottingham Forest as well, I think he played left back. Yeah, and against Wolves that. as well, he played left back. So I think Arteta just wants to continue with that. Kiwio Tomiyasu, that's his second left back after Zinchenko. Yeah. So I think that's why he's just Gabriel's not playing because he's not a left back in Arteta's eyes. But I think once Zinchenko comes back, hopefully he comes back into the team and we get something with the team. And then with that in mind, so do you think? the tweaks we've seen so far have been enforced because of Timber, Zinchenko's potential availability. So with that in mind, Sunday, we've got United, obviously. Mm -hmm. What do you think he'll do? Do you think he'll go back to something that resonates with last season's selection a bit more? I think um, the lineup we played against Man City, I think that's his lineup for a big game. Like if we're going to play against a big team, if we're going to play a final, for example, I think that's that's his big game lineup. But I think what we're going to do is just put Zinchenko left back in to replace Timber. And I think Eddie is going to start instead of Havertz. Sure. Okay. No Jesus yet then, no? No, I think Arteta is going to just bring him back. Ease sure. him back. Because that's what we do with injuries now. We don't just force them back in straight away. We gradually ease them in. Yeah. Sure. Because Zinchenko, okay. he, had, he had 15 minutes against Palace, I think. Yeah. He basically played the whole half against uh, Fulham. He was so good when he came on against Palace as well. Yeah. He, yeah, he was good. He, he 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 gave us a lot of control. Him and Jorginho gave us a lot of control. So, yeah. And then I think Fulham he played 40, 40 minutes, forty forty five minutes, and yeah. I think he's gonna. I think he's good for sixty on Sunday. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I just feel like that level of. It's funny because I feel again narratives last season for me, mm-hmm. no doubt he elevated us to a level. I didn't really know was technically possible. Obviously, you've seen it at City, but I've not seen Arsenal play this style of football until kind of Zinchenko Jesus came in. Um, And he just, yeah, it kind of re-educated me, I guess. And then I feel like towards, obviously, he's got his defensive frailties, right? And everyone was fixated on that, I'd say, from like March onwards. And I think he became like really underrated in the general fan base and again, narratives on Twitter. Because of the stakes we're playing at. Because the stakes we're playing at was so high. Any mistake is amplified by one million. 
So yeah. I think that's that's what the problem was. But you are right, though. He is really underrated, and he gave us a lot of control. You can't forget how good he was against Tottenham away specifically. Oh, Tottenham man. away was a ground we've not won for nearly 10 years, and he completely bossed the game from left back. Yeah, exactly. And then, so where, where are you at with Havertz at the minute then? So obviously, you, um, you kind of touched on... Yeah, you yeah. touched on it, but you didn't really... <laughs> yeah, yeah, just briefly, because... Um, so basically with Havertz, I think... What he is, we need to like just get that out of the way. People for the last three years at Chelsea, he was playing as a back to goal striker. He was playing as a back to goal striker like Benteke, just trying to hold the ball up with his height. I think his height goes against him in a way because in what he's sense? in that people just think he's like a striker because right. he's so tall. He's six foot four. He can hold the ball up. He's good in the air. He has these attributes, but I think he's more of a, um, I think he's more of a false nine come attacking midfielder like he can he can play he's in very the pocket intelligent, he's got, right yeah he's really intelligent his best like attributes are to basically attract players away from him and then he can he can make space for others or he can make space for himself to run into that's what he's good at and he's and he's a mover as well he likes to play one two combinations he'll play one pass and then he'll run he'll run past the op- opposing player to receive a pass so yeah. i think that's why Mikela Tata has designs for him to play left eight but however a lot of people are worried about his defensive work because what Shaka did, he's, he essentially replaced Shaka. What Shaka did was he was so good at winning second balls and duels, and he completely locked up that left hand side from a defensive point of view. What what happened? But with Havertz, what he did was, he, I think a lot of people need need to give him a lot of praise for his. He's really good at defending. He's really yeah. good at press. This he's is where it's really like. Good at- yeah, I think this is where psychologically you've got a, an idea in your head and you just yeah. you ignore the, the facts of what you're seeing. Because if you just go on stats, I should have checked this myself. But I remember seeing like he won loads of ju- I, I want to say he was top for jewels in the was it the Forest game? Maybe? It was Forest or, and Palace. I think he was he won the most jewels in the team. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. You've got this kind of concept in your head that Jack is this industrious midfielder and Havertz is this Özil esque floater and so people mm. therefore think oh he doesn't press he doesn't work hard but if you look at it statistically he's up there yeah yeah he works really really hard so i'm really really happy with him in, in that regard what i'm not happy with him is on the ball because we yeah, signed agree. him we signed him to make to make movements and to like to score goals or to make things happen on that regard he's not really been great because against man city he missed two very big chances yeah. he missed he missed two very big chances against fulham and there was one cross that went in he didn't attack the ball he didn't all. even attack it. i remember yeah so i'm i've got a season ticket at the arsenal and uh, my seat is yeah really nice from like a tactical lens so it's uh upper mm-hmm. tier and yeah nice bird's eye view and yeah okay, it's one of the you do notice these little things in the game sort of thing when you're yeah, there yeah. and even at home yeah and it was like the cross was in there and I was like you have to throw yourself at that and I think that's one thing I was disappointed because I'm with you as much as great as I think he's been defensively and I think people have glossed over that I have been hoping for more on the ball um, yeah. and um and one thing I said to Nima in a previous episode was I think it was the forest game I feel like everyone was raving about his movement but I was actually a bit disappointed because again from my seat I could see areas where Rice would have the ball and there's a pocket of space and he wasn't proactively seeing that and I get he's quite early into his Arsenal yeah. education in terms of, of yeah. to be honest Pardon? I think he's lacking a lot of confidence yeah and that's I, something I, that will probably come with him at Chelsea but anytime he makes movements or he, he tries to execute or shoot it's not it's never with like conviction you know yeah but, and even yes, even on sun, on Saturday, like 
he didn't seem in sync with our players because there was one time he tried to play a pass, it would go out for a throw in, or he yeah. would miss Nelly, or he would just or he would just not attack the ball or anything like that. So I'm just thinking to myself, it may be confidence. Maybe he just wants to not make a mistake, and whenever he does make a mistake, it's amplified to one million again. Yeah, I mean we so love that think, as a fan base, think, don't we? What I think Arteta needs to do for the sake of himself and for the sake of the team is do you remember when Odegaard got taken out of the team when you when you signed on a permanent contract? Yeah. In between October between October and November, we didn't we barely saw him. We didn't see him at all. So I think the best thing for him is just to give him that sort of treatment, give him fifteen minutes there, twenty minutes there, and then hopefully you sure. can build his confidence up slowly, slowly, slowly. But I do think there's a player there for sure. Yeah. And someone who probably well, it's early to say, but might have benefited from that integration. Vieira's cameo, right? That was oh my really, really exciting. <laughs> that was unbelievable. I'm a big, big fan of that guy. Big, big fan. Sure. Go on, take it away. Where, where do you, what do you see his role being this season for us? Because if, uh, if I'm being honest, how my opinions on Vieira before I've been never doubted his kind of ability in the final third, his end product. I think he'd be up there if the environment and structure around him is perfect essentially mm-hmm. where I was disappointed last season it wasn't again the general oh he needs to beef up this that I maybe I'm over analyzing I felt there were games where he would only ever wait to have a final action sort of thing and yeah, I yeah. wanted to see more in terms of get involved in the game contribute to what build up and actually dictate and that's what I felt like he was hiding a little bit but yeah, this yeah. game when he came on he was demanding the ball he was dictating it that there was like this urgency I hadn't seen from him and like yeah. I said I've never doubted his technical quality I just doubted the kind of wider context around this yeah, game yeah would he ever, that, would that, he ever that, take by the scruff of the neck basically yeah, but go on. Talk, talk so to me basically, about him. Um, what I loved about his cameo is he basically, as you said, he took he, whenever he got, he just said to everyone, "Give me the ball, give me the ball." Yeah. I think he took in forty minutes. I think he had like 40, touch, 40 touches. So every minute he was on the ball, basically making something happen. He was and some of his movements as well, especially for the penalty. Did you see really the lapping right? He did. Yeah. And if he didn't get taken, similar on, to Wolves, right? Do you remember the yeah, away yeah, yeah. game when 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 Jesus dropped in? dropped into the space and then Fabio made a run in behind. He was in, plays the ball in, plays the ball to Odegaard. It's, just, it's a goal. I think the same thing was going to happen against Fulham, but same. he got taken out by Bassi. Yeah. But that either way, either game. way, he, he just, he said, he said, he said, this is my game. I'm going to take control of it. We're going to win. If we, yeah. if we won the game, I'm certain that would have been probably the best cameo in Arsenal history. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of like you remember when Fabregas came on against was it Villa? Just scored. It was Villa. He like, yeah, he was yeah. like broken to pieces. Yeah, <laughs> and he just scored a free kick and yeah. yeah. And then he but, set um, and he he set up a goal, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But um, yeah. So and just before we go on to like the general kind of summary of the game, looking at the incidents and stuff, any other players you want to kind of talk about from Saturday's uh, game? I think Ben White had a very good game. Yeah, I thought he, he had a really does. good. He's yeah, so he was. It's normal now because even though how, how Gary Neville completely destroyed his reputation in the first game when he had COVID, I think he's very underrated. Like what he did in against Brentford was really underrated like in terms of he got the ball from the right and he kept switching it to Martinelli. We'd underload the right hand side, we'd overload the right hand side, and then we'd switch it to the left hand side. And Martinelli was one v one every time. Yeah. He, but unfortunately, he didn't really make anything happen from that. But I thought White's long passing was really really good. 
He's someone I, I say to like a lot of my friends that aren't Arsenal fans, unless you watch him 90 minutes every week, I don't mm. think people realise how good he is. I, I know I said Zinchenko's become underrated by Arsenal fans, but I think outside of Arsenal circles, I think White's one of the most underrated players in the league. I think yeah, you, I think, you I never think, see... Yeah, oh, sorry, I think people think that he's, he's, he can get bullied, even though he's quite dominant in duels, yeah. especially on the ground and in the air. He's improved a lot in that department. And on the ball, he's really, really good. And yeah. one thing about him physically is he's probably one of the fastest players in the team. He's so durable, isn't he? He's yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's very never, powerful. I think Rob Holding said he, he did a great free hamstring against Newcastle 18 months ago, the game that we lost 2 0, that didn't that basically mathematically guaranteed we couldn't get top four. Yeah. He had a great free hamstring and he still played on. Yeah, and that's the thing, need- like I'm a, I'm a massive nerd for like psychology and stuff. And mm. I think this team that Arteta's built psychologically they're all so strong and it's from different angles so you look at Martinelli and like his kind of upbringing in Brazil and then people like Ben White who have worked their way up the football league right like I, d- I don't think people realize how brutal it is in the lower leagues and what you have yeah, to kind of endure to get lot, to this level lot more quicker than the Premier League and it's a lot more physical fouls in the Premier in, over there don't get given yeah exactly um a couple more questions that have just sprung to mind actually I want to get your opinion on before we kind of do general match summary where where are you at on Ramsdale and Raya do you, do you think Raya will come in for Man United do you, do you um, think Ramsdale will keep it for the foreseeable I think any change that will happen will happen after the international break because as you remember Ramsdale came in against Norwich and that was after the international break yeah. two years ago so I think if Arteta is planning anything like that it will be after the international break where there's a lot he can think clearly and then if he decides to make a change he would make a change I don't think he'll make such a big change in in a big game that's going to happen really yeah. really soon so I don't think he'll do that to be honest do you have, do you have a preference where, where are you at on, on Ramsdale uh, to be honest uh, I don't know if you've seen I've said quite a lot of times Ramsdale's saved our bacon quite a lot of times Sure. Like he saved us against them. Um, what's the um, Bournemouth? You know when they were one nil up, and then yeah. Utara big chance. He saved that. He made Villa, a big save on a Saturday yeah. with from Traore as yeah. well, right? Last Traore. week. <laughs> and there was Leon Bailey at Villa Park at three uh, two. I think he made a big save. Well, Leon Bailey just uh, Leon Bailey and Duran had a chance. He made two big saves. Yeah. Which up then? And he made a big save against uh, Liverpool in when yeah. we won three two with Luis Diaz, and there's countless other. Big saves and Tottenham away, especially with Harry Kane yeah, and Sessegnon. Then two 0 he made really, really big saves. So I think when with Ramsdale, when we're under pressure the most is when he's locked in. Yeah. When Ramsdale's locked in, when we're under pressure, he's brilliant. If the problem is when we don't have a lot of when we don't have a lot of pressure, we're one nil, two nil up. We're like really calm and relaxed. And then when there's just a routine save to make, he doesn't make it. That's yeah. my what that's my worry with him. When we're under a lot of pressure, getting a lot of shots fit on, on our goal, against our goal, he's brilliant. But when we have a lot of, when there's no shots or hardly any shots, and then when you when when he when the shot comes in and you think oh he's gonna save it, he doesn't save it. So I think it's just concentration with him, to be honest. But yeah. I wouldn't like to see it happen on Sunday, to be honest. No. Uh, mine is I agree with what you're saying, but longer term it Raya is an addition I've personally welcomed and I think I agree on like those big moments that Ramsdale's kind of contributed towards. I just the flip side of that is uh, there's a lot of goals we concede, and I find myself looking at him thinking, I think you could have done better there. And uh, yeah, even um, I yeah, know against um, Liverpool in, in uh, when we lost two 0 in in March 2022 when you know the Jota goal. Yeah, 
that one really pissed me off. I'm sorry for swearing, but that one, no, that's a go that, for one it. that one really annoyed me. That one really, really annoyed me because like yeah. that's really weak risk from him. Yeah, I think if I had to just summarize my opinion on Ramsdale, I think it's we all know his potential and his ceiling and like how good he is now. I think it's just the consistency thing, which mm. you have to account for with a young goalkeeper. Like that's to be expected. Yeah. I just think a lot of what, like where we are now and our expectations, I think it is an area that we can demand more from personally in that mm-hmm. goalkeeper spot. And I do think his distribution has regressed. I don't know if it's regressed or if he's going for a patch, but it's not quite what it was, in my opinion, when he first yeah. broke into the team. And I was when like, whoa. He, yeah. Um, when, he, so, when he first came, it was really, really good. It was like pinpoint. Like there was balls he would do through the center, to the centre of the pitch. would go to Aubameyang, would go to Lacazette. Yeah. It would hit them all the time. But well, there, was one, there was one specifically that annoyed me as well. Southampton, the first goal, where he just gave it to Alcaraz. Yeah. In the first minute, I'm thinking that's unacceptable. You can't be doing that. I know, and uh, just you know, we've got Marsh in the chat. Cheers for joining Marsh. He uh, adds, he's still so young for a keeper to plenty of room to develop, and you'd hope a competition at the goalkeeper slot improves both players as long as they have the right mentality. And I completely agree. I, I think it's hard to psychoanalyze from the outside, but Ramsdale seems like the kind of guy where I think this will only help him improve rather than kind of destroy confidence or anything. But um, yeah, no, nice one. So I feel like that's a nice segue onto the actual summary of the game because mm-hmm. it was another goal conceded <laughs> straight away. Any opinions on this? Variance. Variance, variance. You think variance. it's just variance, yeah? Yeah. Nine times out of ten we win that game, but the two goals we gave to Fulham were sweets. We just gave it to them. Oh, so I mean, I mean specifically on, so that's the third time this calendar year we've conceded in a minute, right? Yeah. Just on that, spe- like not the overall game, just the specific incident of us conceding so early do you think that's variance as well or anything on that um, to be honest um the mistake we made was a technical mistake it was a build-up mistake yeah so basically um as you said you've got a good view so party inverted too soon because he's just that's just not his nature his nature is of a midfielder he wants to be in the center of the pitch at all yeah. times he inverted from the right and then white he why even though he played center back this game his natural instinct now is to overlap Saka. And because Saka got the ball and got the ball, White thought, okay, I need to overlap to make space for him. And then Saka, he made that back pass because he thought by muscle memory, Saliba will be there. Because last season, Saliba was right centre back. He thought to himself, okay, Saliba will be there. I'll pass the ball to Saliba and then we can, we can just, we can build again. But because he had that brain dump, brain dump muscle memory incident, Pereira, Pereira vacate, ran into the space. And then I think he got very lucky with the finish, to be honest, because oh, okay. he opened his body up to lob Ramsdale to the other side. And because yeah. he just hit the shot, he made Ramsdale look more. He made Ramsdale look kind of stupid because yeah. Ramsdale thought if I just if I just position myself to the right, I can just catch the ball and then we can start the we can start the action again. But because Pereira completely mishit it, he got Ramsdale scrambling. I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, Ramsdale could have done better." He just anticipated that. That Pereira was going to lob him, but because Pereira messed it up, he made him look a lot stupid. But yeah, and that's that was my take on it as well. And um, so yeah, what we've got on screen for the audio listeners is a uh, we yeah for any new listeners, we do this every week in our mm-hmm. reviews of the pod. So there's a, a brilliant account called Mark R Statsbot, and um, yeah, we always take his data. 
And I, I know with XG and stuff, different models come out with different things. But for consistency, we always use marks. So what I'll do, I'll read through. <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I had something in my throat there. Um, <clears throat> I'll read through the summary of the stats and then we'll kind of talk through our, I guess, subjective view of the game. So the XG was 3.39 to us <clears throat> and 1.24 to Fulham. The expected threat, which is kind of the amount of times you're, well, what it says on the tin, right? How, how threatening you are when you're on the ball and they assign a value to that. 2.81 to 0.64. Possession. 71.5% to 28.5. Phil Tilt, this is one of my favourite stats, and I, I can't remember if we spoke about this when we went live or if we were talking about this before when you and I were catching up. Phil Tilt was 90.4%, and that is how often how often, and how high up you are. And that's what I'm talking about when I'm looking at where we're evolving. We're looking for complete domination and suffocation of the opposition. And then you look at the defensive action height, 63.3% to 31.8. So statistically, it was domination. And that's what I, I'm with you. This game was variant. But it's it's frustrating still, right? So that that's the stats to kind of set the scene. Uh, well, yeah, statistically. What was your views on the game as it was unfolding? And um, I guess immediately after, because I, I was pissed off, I, but I I was emotional, right? I'd had a few drinks. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I was caught up in the in the moment, but... Yeah, what was your take on everything? Um, to be honest, after the game, like you, I was very annoyed that we gave them two really, really cheap goals and we could have given another one with the with the transition from Adama. But we're lucky Ramsdale made a great save. But I thought to myself, nine out of ten times we win because we created some really good chances. Like um, Saka had a big chance where... Ah, uh, header, right? Left, yeah. And then Saka was point blank, in, point blank in, front of the, in front of the goal that he put it over. And then Havertz had a chance where we put where Sack put the cross in, and then Havertz was at the back post, and then he put it wide. And then there was one other one with um, Martinelli. He was one v one, and then he just put it straight at Leno. Yeah. And then there was a um, there was one as well where, as we said earlier, where Sack put the cross in. If Havertz attacked the ball, it's a goal. And then there was um, another one with um, Kiwio had a chance at the end where like, people were saying he should have done a little bit better. But the thing is, the ball came to him so quickly, I don't think he had enough time to react. If he had time yeah. to react, I'm sure that's a goal as well. And there was um, the Eddie chance that we scored from and the penalty. Just from this alone, the amount you're reeling off, like you're right, we created so many chances. Yeah. and This is all just from memory as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's like if I, if I had to rewatch like match of the day, I'm sure there'd be ones that I can't even remember now. But to your point, like uh, this is a game I think you roll a dice out of 10 times, we win it nine, right? Yeah. Um, my frustration, like I kind of touched on it earlier with the system, is the fluidity just feels a little bit off. I feel like, and yeah. a lot of that is people in different areas. And I always say, I believe we don't play a formation. We play, there's people that occupy areas of a pitch that are fluid. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this yeah. is your zone. You two yeah. free guys, you occupy. It's all about kind of numerical advantages, as you talked about earlier, right? Yeah. All over the pitch. Um, and that's what I get really... And, and, and uh, qualitative as well. Like if we have, for example, Martinelli on the left, he's probably one of the fastest players in the league versus a fullback that's not as fast. That's a qualitative superiority yeah sure but um yeah i've just feel like everything from this game subjective the quantity uh, the quantitative stuff we've got in front of us screams domination mm. um so obviously so they went one nil up 
How did you think we responded to that? Were you happy with the response? Or um, uh, To be honest, in the beginning, I thought we were a little bit sloppy on the ball because they played a really good mid-block. They just kind of blocked us off. And whenever players were trying to make space, they would just cover a shadowing really well. And we just, whenever we tried to play a ball, they would get it back. But the thing is, whenever they got the ball, our press was so good, we got the ball back. And then it was just a bit of a stalemate. And then after 20 minutes onwards, we started getting on the ball more. We started to create little openings, little situations, half chances. And then the Saka chance, and then, then the Havertz chance, then the other Havertz chance where he doesn't attack the ball. Then Martinelli was getting 1v1. As we said earlier with Ben White, he was playing a lot of long balls yep. from from right to left, leaving Martinelli 1v1 with Tete. And he On didn't that, really pick... yeah. sorry, you just mentioned in crossfield balls. How fucking good is Declan Rice? <laughs> he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. <laughs> the business. So like, I've, I've praised them so much on my account. It's not even funny. Same. He is the business. We, um, we have a regular listener. His name's Dan, uh, FPL fella, big West Ham fan. And he, I knew how good Rice was, but I think I still didn't know how good he was, if that makes sense. I feel like yeah. there's so much more to his game than I realise. And in Jules, I just, he's a joke. He's And his anticipation to always yeah. be in the right area to break yeah. up play and his ability on the ball is better than I thought it would be. Uh, yeah. Well, sorry. He's adapted quicker than I thought he would on the ball, personally. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, I think he's always had that ability on the ball because of what... Because, um, you know, the game we beat West Ham 2-0 yeah. in 2021, in, in Christmas time. That's when yeah, I yeah. realised this guy is really, really good. And then I made it my business to basically watch West Ham at okay. any given opportunity because I saw Declan Rice live in front of me and I thought to myself, I have to watch this guy. Every yeah. time I physically can, because this guy is so so good. He's gonna go. He's gonna go to the top. And if we don't sign him, because I said to um, George and Curran and all those guys, I said, I said, in eighteen months when we get Champions League football, or next, or the, or six months, or eighteen months when we get Champions League football, he has to be our marquee signing. And I said that eighteen months ago. Nice. I bet you were buzzing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm buzzing. When Ornstein said it's happening, I. Uh, at 11 o'clock at night on E-Day, I was running up and down my house going, we got Declan Rice, we got Declan Rice. And I woke up my sister, I was saying, we got Declan Rice. And then, yeah, it's just, I'm absolutely buzzing. And then I noticed how good he was on the ball. So I didn't, so I wasn't really surprised. What surprised me the most was with him is that Howard quickly is adapting to number six because yeah. he's playing diagonal, he's playing like really good disguise through balls. His into... line breaking passes. That's the yeah. thing. That's what I, when I say he's adapted quicker than I thought, that's yeah. what I wasn't really aware of, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I I knew he had it to a degree at West Ham, but because I think he's in an environment that's encouraging him to play those passes. He's playing that now because at West Ham, he had Suchek, he had Paqueta, he had guys like that that wanted to play direct football and he would play long balls to Sufal, diagonals to Sufal, and then they would play the cross to Sufal and then Bowen would score or they would play, he'd play channel balls to Antonio. But because we're, we're a team that wants the, the ball to feed, to play to play little short passes, I think yeah. he's encouraged to play that sort of football now and he's try, he's expressing himself. So. I'm really happy about that, and as you said, he's got this sixth sense to know where the where the ball's going. Spidey senses, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's his superpower. I think that's his best trait because there was one time where Fulham tried to break on us, and then he just robbed the ball from Pereira like he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, honestly, ridiculous, man. And yeah, he's uh, just he's a. Yeah. So obviously we went one nil up, like I said. Uh, sorry, one nil down. Uh, I wish we went one nil mm -hmm. up. Game carries on, we get to half time, still one nil down, right? 
and mm-hmm. he makes a change. Trossard, was it for Inketia? Uh, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, last time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Where were you at with that? Because I, I was really disappointed in Trossard. He's someone that I always say he always impacts when he comes on, and he, he does enough to get a start. He gets the start and doesn't really pull to up any trees. His, his touch is one of the best in the squad, I feel. And his touch was really, really off. Like, under no pressure, he was losing the ball and he wasn't, and he was playing passes that weren't on because he tried to, he tried to flick it to Havertz and then, then the one of the Fulham players headed it out and then that's how the roll him and his bicycle kick chance happened. Yeah, that was closer than I thought as well. When yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was breaking it at home, but I thought to myself, if, if Trossard didn't flick that ball, that doesn't happen. That chance, no way it happens. Yeah, but he, but to be fair to Trossard, he did create that big chance for Saka from the cross from the right from the left. He did. So when the thing is with Trossard is there's one thing that really surprised me about him is I didn't know how technical he was. Because whenever I watch like uh, Brighton on uh, on YouTube on Sky on the Sky Sports channel, yeah, he would score these Jota type of goals where he would just like make he would just poach or something. He'll He'd appear get... in the right area, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, he's got that. I thought to myself, this guy's just probably a poacher or something. But against United is in, in his debut, I didn't know how technical he was, how good he was on the ball, how comfortable he was in tight spaces, how creative yeah. he was. So he's been he's a pleasant surprise, and I really I really like him. But I, but I was really disappointed with with his display. Yeah. So, but and then, so I guess, yeah, that was a really good change. And then, obviously, it gets to I think it was around like the fifty fifth hour hour mark, and the double change. So it was Zinchenko and Vieira on for party and Havertz, and that is, in my opinion, when the football just it clicked. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, I know the system is fine if the objective is control. Yeah, I feel like the the system is perfect. I and I know we created chances, but my opinion is that the change, uh, the chance, the chances, sorry, only really came once we kind of flipped back to dynamics of last season. Um, and yeah, I don't know what 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 did you think? Because that's only once I felt comfortable. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree with you when you said when Zinchenko came on and Vieira came on, and we got some left hand side dynamics back to what it was last season we just clicked we completely yeah. clicked and we just started to get more control we started to create a few more half chances few openings and then Fiera made the overlapping run for the first goal and then Basti take, takes him out and then we got the penalty and then Saka scores it I feel really uncomfortable when he takes the penalty I'm sorry Mate, same like, although this one I felt comfortable but it's funny you brought that up because Nima and I on the uh, the previous one we were discussing is Odegaard going to be the new taker and, the, and my potentially unpopular opinion is I always feel really nervous when Saka's taking them but yeah. um, I didn't for this one for whatever reason I feel like I'm going to throw up whenever he takes penalties because it, maybe it's because it's of the trauma of the penalty miss because we all adore him so much and we'll do anything yeah. we love him it's just, just the thought of him missing a penalty just is really heartbreaking especially against West Ham that really hurt me because it, yeah. even though it affected our title run it's just because it's Saka and we love him so much it just hurts yeah, he's, like our, he's our adopted child isn't he yeah, yeah, yeah. We all love him, and as you saw yesterday from the PFA Play of the Year video on, um, on yeah, where he, I think he was shocked as well with how much Arsenal re- is that for context uh, for audio mm-hmm. listeners. Is this the one where you're talking about? There was a video where he was being shown a video of people yeah, being yeah. asked, "Would you rather what was it? Would you rather Would you win rather the league win or sell Saka or something?" Yeah, and everyone said, "No chance. We're not selling him." Yeah, it was like, yeah, would you rather win the league, but it means you have to sell Saka? And they were like, nah. And uh, you, it was really nice. You see Saka's reaction to it. Uh, yeah, what a guy. He seemed really shocked. Yeah. 
But um, yeah, obviously, fair play to him for winning that trophy last night. So um, yeah. yeah, back back to the game. So double change happens, and then yeah. 15, 10 minutes later, Vieira brilliantly wins the penalty, nicely tucked away by Saka, and then immediately after that, an unbelievable ball from Vieira in yeah. Ketty, a lovely finish. So two one. What's your headspace at that at that point? Because I'm thinking, ah, oh, we've done this. We we we're calm. Yeah, I thought to myself, okay, 2-1 now, get the third one, get the third, control the game, get the third one if you can. And then if you get the third, then just see the game out. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. But on the assist on Fabio Vieira, that's probably one of the best assists I've seen this year. I'm not even joking. Just the way he got the ball from the left half space and he just crossed that behind the back line. It was like watching Kevin De Bruyne. It was, it really was. It was, uh, yeah, played to perfection. And then, so obviously we're we're two one up, and mm. then the red card happens for Bassi, right? So then I don't know again about you, but I'm thinking, okay, yeah, calm, we won this. Then he makes a change, Jorginho for Odegaard. Did you have any thoughts on that at the time? Like I know it's easy with hindsight, but what yeah. what was your feeling at the time? My you feeling at the time was okay, fine. He just wants to control the game, like just keep the ball, control the game, play one one hundred million. I, I thought Odegaard had the pretty poor game personally yeah he 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 wasn't great but what what i noticed about odegaard is whenever he tries to take responsibility he will just start shooting for no yeah. reason because he did yeah. the same Bournemouth last year like he he didn't create anything but he just kept shooting whenever he got a decent moment like if the when the opportunity to pass was there he would just start shooting and i respect the fact he wants to take responsibility but sometimes just use your brain Give it to a better teammate in a better position, and we'll score a goal. It doesn't. Yeah. We don't. It's not like Martin Odegaard has to score. No, no, no. We have to score, not Martin. Yeah. But do you, so, do you think that's something he's kind of got in his head? Yeah. He I thinks, understand yeah. the the logic of the substitution. I wasn't really mad at it at the time, and and I'm still not mad about it. Yeah. No. Same. I um. Yeah. For what it's worth, that's that's why I wanted your take on it because I mm. thought it made sense, especially with how we saw. Uh, against Palace, like that, yeah, yeah, Zinchenko, Jorginho on the pitch. It was just at the same time was a cheat code. Fair, right? I don't think uh, Jorginho was at fault for the goal for the second goal, the build up to the second goal. Sorry, I don't think he was at fault. So, yeah, it's just one of those things, really. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, elephant in the room. That their equaliser. What are you saying? Um, I think Zinchenko. I don't know what he was thinking because he tried to play a ball that was not on, and then Traore yeah. gets the ball, and then he wins a, a corner, and the corner itself. I'll let you discuss it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's really. I know we're a very good zonal marking team, mm-hmm. but and so okay, fair enough. It's zonal marking. You've got your structures in place, but you can clearly see the zone that Polinia runs into is. Uh, I don't understand what they were doing. I don't know if psychologically they were just at ease, but they set up so poorly that there was a clear gap for someone to run into. And then even there, Saka should be covering the run there. Um, yeah, yeah Saka and Rush should have done better to like to block the to block the zone where where Paulinho had a shot because he had a free shot on goal basically. Yeah. And- but that's where the majority of the XG comes in because it was a, it was a, it was a corner that went in. Saka and Rice didn't block him, and Palinia had a clean striking goal, and he took it. Yeah, it's, uh, that wound me up so much because yeah. they didn't lay a glove on us, really. There's uh, one thing like... I'd like to ask you, Clayton. Do you yeah, think? Do you know? Um, I would like to get your take on why we concede so many fro- uh, corner corners and free kick goals in the last since 2023. Why do you think we're conceding all these goals from set pieces? 
it's funny because there was definitely a period where I don't think we were and we were actually doing quite well. And uh, I can't remember when that period was, but I remember just tweeting about it, having conversations. Like, I feel like the old narrative around Arsenal was set pieces where babies like you can get at us and then like I said I can't remember the exact period but there was a period in Arteta's regime where we were very good and like one of the best in, in the country in, in his first two full seasons we didn't really concede from set pieces at yeah all. so then I, to be honest I don't really know what's changed uh, I feel like from, from August until the World Cup we didn't concede any set piece goals yeah I don't know it's like is Nicholas Jova on crack or something but <laughs> I don't know uh, I don't I, I, I said I said the other day like it's unacceptable the amount of set pieces we're conceding and this it needs to be addressed and ever since then it's still not addressed so I'm wondering to myself does Nico Jova need to get sacked or something because it's <laughs> it's unacceptable because even from attacking set pieces it's, it's especially 21 22 we were really dangerous from set pieces yeah now we're not dangerous at all we can't even beat the first man now we're conceding set pieces pieces for fun like ever yeah. since. Ever since the um, Man United second goal from Lissandro, we've been terrible at defending. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, I I don't know if this is lazy to put it down to this, but I sometimes think variance as well. Because I, I know, I've got no doubt in my mind, like, I think the level of detail Arteta and his coaching staff go into is elite. Like, there's no doubt in my mind it's, like, not down to a lack of preparation or they haven't thought about this detail, which makes me then think... Is it just variance? Is it poor? Do, for what it's worth, it could be poor application from the players, right? They they could yeah. be instructed, like, this is what you're doing, and they're not following it. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm leaning more towards that just because I know, I can't say it for a fact, but I feel like we're all of this opinion. Like, we know the meticulous planning that this football club goes into now. Like, we're at the elite level in how we yeah. operate now. Yeah, and it, I think even shocked with how detailed we are. Yeah, exactly. You see the interviews with Rio where he's talking about how he's seeing football in a different light. And so that's why I find it so hard to believe it's down to like a lack of planning or a lack of detail not being good enough. And I put it down to variance slash like poor application from players. But I don't know. I need I need to do more homework on it, to be honest. But what about you? What What do you think yeah, it's I'm, down to? I'm, I'm with you as well. I think it's variance and it's a mix of variance and poor application from the players. Like, I don't think Nico Jovo Arteta can tell Saka to block the the block the lane for Palinia to shoot and Rice to block as well. It's just something that that should just be common sense and instinctive. That should be com- that's bread and butter. That's bread and butter yeah. for any football player, especially in in an elite team like us. Like I'm sure they'll probably get killed in the debrief on Monday. Hundred percent. And I'm sure it's like, on a similar theme, it's another thing that's been winding me up is individual errors with Arsenal, like. That's how most teams score against us because we're so good systematically at nullifying chances. Well, we're very good at nullifying high quality chances through the opposition's fantastic play. Yeah, I feel like most chances against us come from our own doing, to be honest. And that's another thing that winds me up. But again, it feels lazy to put it down to variance, but it does feel like that because because this season I think we've only given up. I would say two. Big chances from um, the um, from Brennan Johnson from when they won the second ball, but I think that was offside. I think oh, that right, was, yeah. And then the counter goal that Forrest scored from um, from Alanga and Awani, where they linked up together, and yeah. Alanga just kicked, killed our whole team on the counter. And then Awani yeah. had that chance, but I think White could have done better to block him. To be honest, yeah, he could have got across him, but 
it, what, what's done is done now, so that can't be changed. But I think that's the only two big chances we've really given away this season so far in three yeah. games. So yeah. less than one big chance a game we're giving away. So I do agree with your point. We are we are elite at stopping stopping teams from creating big chances against us. But any chance that we give away, it's our fault. Like we give the ball away in a build-up or we don't mark from a corner or just really stupid things like this that just wind you up differently. Yeah. And that's, again, it's a nice segue onto the next slide. So um, season expectations. So we've kind of both spoken about how, yeah, we, we both think we kind of operate at this elite level, right? And I, I firmly believe that, not even just saying that with bias in there. I think you look at the, all the underlying processes that have led to where we are now and even the title challenge last season. I don't believe even the most biased Arsenal fans last summer were mm. confidently saying we'll, we'll be in a title challenge. And so that's where we're at now. And I think that's kind of the expectations, right? So I, I know the slide says season expectations, but expectations has such a connotation to it. So what's your kind of hopes for the season and what do you think we're capable of? What, what do you want to see other than yeah. the obvious of winning the quad? <laughs> okay, to be honest, my season expectation is obviously challenge for the league or win the league or at least challenge again. Go yeah. to the last few match days. Really yeah. like push City again. Try to go to match day 35 and try to hit 90 points. I think sure. we could have hit 90 points but because of injuries and certain wrong profiles playing we didn't we were unfortunate not to hit 90 points but i want us to hit 90 points and to really take man city to the last three match days to the lot even to the last match day like liverpool did two seasons yeah. ago the champions league that's uh we've not been there for the last six years and it's going to be a lot of for the lot for basically the majority of our squad it's going to be the first time they've ever played in the champions league i don't yeah. think people they realize like i think gabriel jesus Sinchenko, Party, Gabriel, that's four players in our 11 that's played Champions League football. Yeah, Ode, it's I, not many. I, yeah, I don't include Odegaard because he's only played 90 minutes in Champions League, so he's barely, yeah. got barely any Champions League experience. So we've only got four players in our team that's played Champions League. So I'm not expecting them to go to the final or to reach the semi-final. If we can get out of our group and try to get, if we go past the round of 16, try to finish first or second, Get to, the, get to the round of 16 and whoever we get in the round of 16 and then take it face, from there if we face someone like um, AC Milan or any team like or Borussia Dortmund in the round of 16 I expect us to progress but if we get yeah. an, an elite team like Bayern or Real Madrid or anyone like that then anything can happen because like anything can happen and I don't really expect too much but if we get to the quarterfinal I'll be very happy very sure. very happy very happy if we can get if we can win the FA Cup I think this team can this our, our squad is good enough to go to balance the Premier League the Champions League and the FA Cup it's not a problem I think we can do that so I think we can we should try to win the FA Cup and I don't really care about the Carabao Cup to be honest it's yeah, just fair. it's just a really irrelevant tournament where it's just nothing good nothing good comes from it as we know would you our... take so your 90 points and take it to the final few match days in the league yeah. quarterfinal champions league and a carabao cup but not the fa would you take that um yes i would take that but it depends who we beat in the champions league and do we win a lot of big six games if we're sure. if we're similarly successful against the big six like we were last season and we beat someone like if we beat Bayern munich or Real madrid or something in the round of 16 i'd be very happy with that season yeah but we, if we Beat like Borussia Dortmund or something in the round of 16 or Sevilla or um, 
or who's which other Spanish team is there? Or Atletico Madrid? I would I'd be okay. I'd be yeah. okay with that. But yeah, so my expectations are just run to basically hit ninety points, push City to the last match day, at least the last three match days or the last match day to win the FA Cup, and I don't care about the Carabao Cup. What are your nice. expectations? Yeah, uh, similar. Uh, I think the only thing I'm slightly different... Uh, basically, it's <laughs> all good, no worries. Um, only thing I'm slightly different on is the Champions League. I'm a little bit more bullish on, I think, our potential in that competition. Just because I think... I don't believe the quality of the elite teams in Europe is at its best at the minute. Yeah, um, right. And I, I take your point on, like, only four of our kind of... If you had to say starting 11 um, have played in the Champions League but I just think this team has got something different about them so like you look at last season and people would have said oh they've not had a title challenge before but they just went in one out of nowhere and I know we didn't go the full distance but I think this team's ability to learn and progress forward is so strong and I think they'll quickly learn from experiences on the fly in the mm -hmm. Champions League and uh, I, I genuinely i genuinely back us against most teams in Europe across two legs. I really do. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really think we're going to shock a few people in Europe. I think we'll be one of those teams. You know how like Napoli last season became yeah, exactly. the people's was... club of, of Europe. I, I can see us be, being that this season, to be honest. I, I really hope so. But it's just our experience is, is worrying me a little bit. If if we if we got to a quarterfinal or round of 16, if we got to the round of 16 and we lost to Bayern Munich 2-1 on aggregate or something, I wouldn't be angry. I'd be like, okay, it is what it is. We learn, we move on, and we get better. But if we lost to Borussia Dortmund or something, or Sevilla or Atletico Madrid, I'd be a little, I'd be quite annoyed, to be honest. But yeah. if we lose by fine margins against an elite team in the round of 16, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, okay, it is what it is. We learn, we improve, and then we go again next year. But as you said, the elite teams aren't elite anymore. Like, they're... A lot of teams are aren't as good as they used to be, and there could be shocks like AC Milan last year, Napoli last year, Inter Milan last year, even Benfica got to a yeah. of So anything can happen as long as the draw. If the draw is kind, we can do something for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think to be honest, that if just I'm going to be brutally honest, I want us to go as far as we can in every competition, and I believe we've got the squad to do that. I think. Yeah. Timber's injury is so unfortunate. I, I literally it's cannot. It's yeah, I, I, you, you've recruited a profile that nullifies. So if you're looking at the problems and the shortfalls of last season and what's the solution, we we proactively identified that in Timber and we did amazingly to recruit for that. And mm. I just, I like, what did we do to deserve that injury? I, I feel I, so I don't, sorry. I don't, think, I don't think anyone anyone, even the most like cynical Arsenal fan can anticipate that he would do his ACL in the first match day in the Premier League. No. And that completely cha it changes so much, right? Even yeah. I think his recruitment and his profile was clearly yeah. to unlock this do you new know system. Surgery yet? Adam? Do you know if he's had the surgery yet for the ACL? I'm not sure, you know. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Because we like released a statement that he's uh, had surgery. We just released a statement that he's, he's torn his ACL and he'll be out for a while, but we don't know how long he's going to be. Out yeah, no. But, but with ACLs, you never know. Like most players recover from that within six months, so he could be back by February, March time, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. But yeah, just to kind of go back to my thing, like I think I genuinely believe we've got the depth and versatility in the squad to For rotate sure. without the level dropping like it did last season. And as a result, I'm 
I love how you quantify your expectations for the league because I think so many people are like at first, second, but that there's so much variance that I think if you quantify it, it's easy to track, right, as an objective. Yeah. And I'm the same yeah. minimum, minimum 90 points, like 90 to 94. And yeah. then it's like, okay, if we if we do that and City go on and get 96, 97, fair play. Yeah, Champions exactly. Yeah, Champions League, like I said, I I, I my expectations are quarters. My hopes is genuinely, I think we can get to the final, genuinely. Um, and then I want one. Of... I know Vice is good, but you see that. <laughs> Mate, I, I think, it, honestly, I, I, maybe it's bias. I just think the the level of quality in this team. And I, I think I'm at a point where I just trust Arteta so much in terms yeah. of how much he plans for every eventuality and to come up with solutions. Mm. I've got so much faith in this trajectory mm. where we're at. Yes. That's kind of what leads to it. And then, uh, to be honest, I just want one of the domestic cups. Uh, I would yeah. love if, if we could win two trophies this year, one of them being a domestic cup and then one being one of the big ones. Yeah. Oh, not asking for much, eh? <laughs> that, that, would, that would be an amazing season. If we won if we won a Premier League or and the FA Cup and we got to a quarterfinal of the Champions League, that would be a dream season, to be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah, just conscious of time. So we're nearly at the hour. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover off before we head off? Uh, no, to be honest, you wrapped up everything for me, and it was a pleasure speaking to you and speaking to and, and it was a pleasure speaking to you, and it was a pleasure speaking on this podcast. And I hope one day we can do it again. Yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, honestly, it's been great talking to you. Like I said, interact with you a lot on Twitter. I think it's quite clear to see the game similarly, which is always yeah. nice chatting to like minded people. And uh, I'm not very good at doing this stuff, but. Nima usually does this. So for anyone watching, uh, if you've enjoyed it, you've enjoyed Hassan's appearance, uh, please like and hit that subscribe button. Thanks, Pontus. He was in the chat saying, well, remember to leave a like. Um, I hate doing that sales pitch, but it means a lot to us and uh, it really does help. And right. yeah, that was the Arsenal Bite Side podcast with Hassan. Drop him a follow on Twitter, well, X, at H-A-F-T-B-L. And uh, we'll be back on Friday. So we've got, uh, two guests, two more guests lined up on Friday uh, to preview the big game, Man United. Uh, just before you go, early prediction for the game? Um, I think we'll come out swinging. I think Arteta will give them a massive kick up the arse during training and he will kill them during the debrief. So I expect us to really come out strong. I think we'll score. I think we'll win 2-1, but I think we'll miss quite a lot of chances again, unfortunately. But I think we'll completely outplay and beat United, to be honest. Nice. What I like that. I, I'm feeling confident i think things are going to click for us and i i just don't think this is going to come back to bite me in this i just don't think they're that good um no they're they're, 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 they're fucking shit i'm gonna say <laughs> they're fucking I don't, I don't rate them i don't rate ten hag i don't rate any, i don't rate them at all i'm sorry oh i love that and on that note we're out of here thanks again man up the yeah. arsenal come on take care